Welcome to episode 102 of Friends of Film, a podcast that says movies and theatrical releases. On this episode, we'll cover Disney buying Fox, Creed 2's new director, Venom's growing cast, and more after review Star Wars Slash Jedi. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes by searching Friends of Film. As always, I'm your host, Coop Hood, once again joined by man, very thankful to make it to this day, in particular, Josh Straley. I'm glad I didn't die before The Last Jedi. Yes, yes, yes. It would have been a tragedy. <laughs> But oh, we also man. have a guest today. We do. We have my friend Logan Till. Logan? How's it going, guys? It is. It is, it is great to have you. It is great to have you. This is only our second time meeting. First time was at The Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. Yeah. Um, so we had a good time there discussing uh, all the theories and thoughts around that movie. Yeah. And we'll have to see if any of those played true in Star Wars <laughs> Last Jedi. There were a lot of them, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's Josh's week to start with the review. We're yeah. definitely going to be getting into spoilers on this because there's a lot to talk about. Um, so once we do, there'll be a timestamp in the description of this episode so you guys can skip ahead. Uh, if you haven't seen it, but hopefully you have because there's a Ooh. lot to talk about. But uh, it's going to go Josh, me, and then Logan's going to finish this up before we move into spoilers. Josh, what'd you think? Uh, Ryan Johnson's second entry uh, into this sequel trilogy is the riskiest Star Wars film to date. Uh, ever done like in the trilogy, and the gambles it takes seem to pay off very well. Um, the movie like upends the Star Wars apple cart and alters the mythology forever uh, in a meaningful way, rather than to just you know bust people's balls. So, uh, if there are though any problems with this movie, they come from a plot that's a little too intrinsic. And some of those parts I don't think hold up very well in a repeat viewing. But, and, and because the story is like constantly barreling forward, something that The Force Awakens also did, um, moments and scenes aren't allowed to fully bloom, and you're just left wanting to say, oh, no, I want to stay there longer. Give me more of that and that and that and this. But Ryan Johnson turned a Star Wars novel, the books that I've like dedicated 15, 20 years of my life to, into a film. And it worked out. Uh, phenomenally uh the dry wit in the movie is like alive and it's it's probably the one of the funniest star wars movies ever and we i don't know what i can say about humor in this uh when we get to spoilers but i'll just like you know lay it all out but from the very get-go with poe dameron and utilizing his charisma and things like that uh phenomenal the adorability of the porgs is used but not abused uh finn is fantastic poe is like i said even more poey rose is stellar too kelly marie tran did a phenomenal job and carrie fisher and mark hamill give performances uh that point to doubt it should put to rest any of their abilities as actors, you know, over their careers and saying that they maybe coasted on their star Wars fame from there. No, they've always had the talent, but when you're rich like that, yeah, no, you know, why, <laughs> why go for it? But the, you know, the story revolves around, I don't know if the spoilers or not, but we get a parallel story structure of Ray and Kylo. Yes. And it is captivating to say the least. Um, and I can't say enough about how Ryan Johnson wrote these two characters. Maybe to the detriment of everybody else in the movie, but it works so, so well. And uh, to go, I mean, go off of that, c- cinematically, the movie is beautiful. Octo is like the exact opposite of Dagobah. I mean, well, not the exact opposite, but it's just as enticing and intriguing as that place. But it just. The, the film that they got off of Skellig Island is wonderful and magnificent. And, the, you know, a movie just centered entirely on that planet and that place in particular 
uh, I, I would love because it was uh, beautiful. But then, um, you know, going just through everything else, it, it subverts your expectations. It, it changes uh, the formula that people rib The Force Awakens for. And uh, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but uh, it was so different that at the end of the first showing, I didn't know if I'd liked it. Because okay. it, it didn't feel like Star Wars at all. And, but um, on a repeat viewing, I realized, and I got to see kind of the themes come forward, and then, you know, it settled into my place as Star Wars. And I ended up, you know, being able to enjoy it. Uh, I can't talk about what I really totally disliked about the film and what I really loved about it until spoilers. Okay. But I will say, though, it was very good. And being a different Star Wars movie that took risks, uh, I'm going to give it five out of five ticket stubs. All right. Yeah. Okay. Go, <laughs> go for it and we'll talk about that. That okay. comes with an asterisk, but okay. we'll get to it. Yeah, because you called it the anti-Star Wars movie like immediately, or not immediately after, but I think the day after you saw it, yeah. that's what you texted me. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was, I've been worried about your reaction to this movie because I texted you, OMG, after I got out of my screen that you texted me, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, uh... I don't know if he liked it, but I'm glad to glad to hear you liked it so much. Uh, personally, I was just kind of stunned by it the first time I saw it. Okay, it's been like, what? Wait, okay, what just what just happened? Mm-hmm. Like that was so different than anything I thought before, and you know, I knew that Ryan Johnson was going to do something different because that's what we'd heard, but he just did something so different that he felt like he just blew the doors off of Star Wars, like. You know, if the complaint for The Force Awakens was that it was too similar to stuff we'd seen before, yeah. Johnson took that and was just like, all right, then I'll just going to do something completely different than anything that we've seen before in this franchise. And I think that hopefully it'll only continue to expand that way as he goes on with his new trilogy, mm-hmm. um, but also to see what J.J. does with Nine. But as for this movie in particular, I thought that Luke's story was just great. You know, I can easily see why Mark Hamill was like, I fundamentally disagree with this. Yeah. Because um, if you're the, if you're the guy who played this character, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, and this is what you come back for, I can see why he would be like, no, no, no. But I thought it worked so well, um, especially on like a second viewing. I think he gets he, – he gives probably his best performance as Luke Skywalker just because he has a lot of emotional depth to the character this time around and getting to explore um, – so many different corners of Luke's, you know, inner turmoil and just like his thought process and everything that's happened since we last saw him in Return of the Jedi. Uh, the performances other than him, I thought were strong across the board. I mean, yeah, you know, Ray, uh, you know, Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, um, you know, Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. her final performance was great. There were probably like a dozen moments of this movie though, that I was just like jaw on the floor, like, Oh, what? Yeah. Did they just do this? Like, there's so many, I think, just standout moments to me that when I got out of it, I was like, man, this is just incredible. Second time around, those moments still stood out, and I think it will have that lasting impact on me for forever. Because um, it did subvert, like you were saying, Josh, it subverted all my expectations. You know, we've theorized about this movie for two years, <laughs> and, you know, Ryan Johnson is basically like, I don't care what you guys think. Mm-hmm. Like, His- I'm going to do what I want, and... It probably worked out for the best. Like, you know, I'm sure, you know, maybe some of my theories would have worked in this movie or would have been a cool way to go. But I think what he ultimately ended up doing with it was so unique and different and 
just he took so many chances that it felt like this is a Star Wars movie we needed, uh, especially right after The Force Awakens. Even though I love Force Awakens, this one just was so different. There was one storyline in particular that I didn't love, um, and that's really the only big knock I had on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, you know, John, Ryan Johnson's humor, if you've seen like his older movies like Brick, um, Brothers Bloom, those are funny movies, and he, you know, people are always like, oh, well, it's the second chapter, so it's got to be a little darker, and this it wasn't like it, it was it was dark in places but his humor was in there throughout and you mentioned you know the opening with poe and hux and it's just it's just, it's right on character which is is perfect you know it could be a little jarring maybe because it doesn't feel like star wars necessarily but yeah. they opened seven the same way and it worked out pretty well for them there um porgs i was afraid i was going to hate the porgs <laughs> and they actually worked really really well i don't you know know how some of them factor in but they were used sparingly and then once you get like the heavy dose of them though they still work really really well um you know i I, (laughs) and the final thing before i give a rating here if jj thought he gave ryan a tough task for eight to be like all right i did force awakens i set all this up here you know try to answer all these questions Uh ryan was like threw the gauntlet down i was like (laughs) you thought you gave me a tough task jj you have no idea really what you have to i think he just sets up so many different things and puts the characters in a place where moving forward uh it'll be very interesting to see i think what jj does but um really just because of that one you know part of the story that i didn't love uh Uh especially on a second second viewing Mm -hmm. i didn't like it that much um i'm gonna give it four and a half ticket stubs out of five even though I think on repeat viewings, it could go up to that five because of all the other just outstanding moments the movie has and all the risks it took. Yeah. Um, so that's my rating. Great. Logan? I completely agree. You know, I'm really glad I saw it twice. Uh, finishing the first time, it was the, it was this like awe, just this moment of awe and this jaw dropping, like this is incredible. But at the same time, there was also this, I don't know what I thought about it, you know? It was... Uh, was a lot to take in. Uh-huh. And going through the second viewing was just phenomenal. Um, I will say I had so many expe- expectations for this over the last two years. Just all the multiple theories for everything, who was who and who were raised parents. And I got to say, it was it was incredible, the, the work that Ryan Johnson did. Um, <clears throat> like I said, J.J. J. J. Abrams set him up so well for it. Um, and it took it a completely different way than what I thought it would. Mm-hmm. So it was incredible to see the way that everything played out. And I was honestly a little worried with uh, how closely The Force Awakens mirrored A New Hope that we'd basically just be watching Empire again. Yeah. And from the trailers, it kind of seemed like it was headed that way, but it, it really didn't. It was, it was something new and something incredible. It was one of the best Star Wars movies I've ever seen. So I was, I was incredibly pleased. Uh one of the things with the Porgs, I was worried they'd be overplayed, mm-hmm. you know, and it kind of, they did them just right where they just included them just enough. It was, the, it was this awe factor, but without <laughs> just going overboard and getting, you know, stale. It yeah. Was, it was incredible. I don't want to give away too many spoilers. <laughs> right. So sure. I'm going to stop it right here. I'm going to give it a 4.5. Okay. It was, it was okay. incredible. Awesome. Perfect. Uh, so yeah, we'll just jump into spoilers then to just kind of take the doors off this and really get into it. Um, where do you guys want to start? Well, can do we want- start? Can I start with your big 
uh, with deficiency what I, with what for I the don't film. like. Yeah. Can we talk about Canto Blight? Yeah. The bite, sorry. Yes. Canto Bite. Um, um, for me personally, it almost extended a little past Canto Bite in particular, even though I think that's where the movie hits a stall. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like Ryan Johnson had a grasp on Ray, on Kylo, on Poe, and where to take these characters after Seven. But then with Finn, he just it felt like they didn't know what to do with him now. Um, it, uh, you get to Canto by, I think there's some good stuff there with, you know, Keller Marie Tran. I, lo- I really liked her as Rose Tico. Um, and they get a good opening. I, I liked the stuff that they set up there at the very beginning of their encounter of, no, you're, you're a hero. You're the Finn. Mm-hmm. You're the reason me and my sister, you know, joined the resistance basically is because of heroes like you. And I wish they would have played with that more instead of just being like, okay, well now we got to go on this mission because we're both, you know, we can both factor into this somehow, but ultimately that storyline doesn't pay off in any way. It's totally irrelevant to how the movie plays out. And then it ends with like that, you know, the, the them ultimately, you know, Rose like professing her love for Finn and that, that can work. I'm not totally against that, but really is just all, yeah, all the Canto by stuff. I've, I've liked the designs of those creatures they're writing, but like, you know, that whole sequence and, Meeting, Overwrought CG. Yeah, meeting uh, meeting DJ, and I, I don't think that section really worked for me, even though I think, like, you know, the the elements Ryan Johnson was trying to implement and trying to set up, I mean, like, you know, just because you are involved with war doesn't make you a bad guy because you can sell to the bad guys, but you can also sell to the good guys. And mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that, that's some interesting stuff you could play with, but it was just so minor that at the end of the day, I was like, can we, can we get back to... You know what, what Poe is doing or what Ray is doing. Yeah, it is. It's a protracted like fifteen minutes sequence, mm-hmm. um, and I did not like it at all the first time around. Yeah, I just thought it was. This is like this is kooky and way out of way out. Of, this is the this is the most unstar Wars part. It was the Rathtar sequence. It was <laughs> no the Rathtar sequence is great because I, I like Han Solo it too. is just throwing people and punching them, and then the yeah. bowcaster. So, but a lot of people don't like. That. All right, so, fair enough. Yeah, so I just wanted to see if that because that was what I thought when I saw. It. I was like. This is the Rathtar sequence all over again. People are going to hate all the CG. They're going to hate just like the random, you know, kind of chase action sequence here. But yeah, okay. But this is what this is what I wanted to say though about it because second time around, I liked it a lot more mm-hmm. because number one, I first of all, Steve Yeldon's one take swoops through that cantina mm-hmm. and all of those custom creatures yeah. and they, you know gambling and just throwing things around. That is one of the best takes that Star Wars has ever done, okay? Hands down. I'm, or may, perhaps perhaps um, second to the one in The Force Awakens oh, yeah. where well, we enter Maz Katana's uh, cantina. Because so right. that's great too. But I love the idea that there's more than one place where the scum of the galaxy can hang out at. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Rose Tico says, because he's like, oh, these people are awful because they profit off of like selling weapons to space Nazis or whatever the case is. So that is, that, I thought that was really great. But then also, you know, under the gloss and glamour of uh, Canto, like Rose points out too, is there is... There's like a, there's a huge rust and decay, and you mm-hmm. see it with those uh, kids just getting like whipped by the like the owners there. Yeah. Like, you know, and I thought that was a really great theme too. And because, and because those people are like, you know, um, being like oppressed or being trampled on by that system, like, you Mm -hmm. know, or whatever like that, they're the people who will ultimately end up joining the resistance later. Cause that's what we see that with Mm -hmm. the signet ring. And then she ends up wrote, we see that Rose ends up giving it to him. And that is actually like the floor 
for what JJ would probably have to do in like nine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because he's, he's got to build the rebellion from the ground up, right? right? It's basically destroyed at this point. There's just a handful of people left. Yeah. So I I felt really good about that afterwards. Now, I do not, the Fathiers, no, I have no defense for them at all. They're the weirdest animals that Star Wars has ever put out there. So <laughs> I, I know that's saying a lot. And then there's, there's Opera Lady in the middle oh, of the- that was like- Almost, I was that had a flashback to the prequels for me. I was like, "Why is this random CG character in here?" <laughs> yes. And I also had a flashback to the prequels when uh, that rumbling sound started at the beginning, mm-hmm. and like everything started shaking. I was like, "Please tell me there's not pod racing out here or something." Mm-hmm. Like that's that's where my mind went immediately. So when it was those like weird creatures, I was like, "Okay, <laughs> hey, pod racing is awesome." That's, that's it is it is. Quality. I would you know, I would I would have loved to see what Ryan Johnson would have done with that. Yeah. And see what he would do, but. In the heat of that, I was just like, I don't want to have more flashbacks to what else is happening. Okay, in the fair enough. But that is, that is my defense of it, all right? Uh, okay. I did understand maybe why you did not, uh, why some people could not appreciate mm. that. Um, where to next? Um, the, the plot? Yeah, Luke? well, what about what about the opening crawl? Logan, do you like the opening crawl? Because it was like, you know, there's not that much that you really need to cover um, between what happened in 7 and what happened in 8, but... I liked the way they set it up and like, you know, the, you know, the, the, uh, the first order is like taking over the galaxy. Mm-hmm. There's no more Republic. Uh, the government's in shambles and now they're like really relying on Luke to get back in the game. Right. I think the biggest thing is there's normally a lot more time between the episodes mm-hmm. and this is only what a matter of weeks, maybe. Uh, I think it's like, it's, it might be days. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's that unknown gap between what happens with, Ray between when once Ray gets back to the resistance base at the end of seven and then you know what ultimately when she takes off but I think it's it's got to be just a matter of days if that I mean it, it happens so quickly so I was like what are you even going to include in this to begin with and I thought they gave us some good details it was it was pretty short compared to the mm-hmm. others but it was I mean it set it up well but there just really wasn't a lot that has happened in between but I thought it was a good crawl. Yeah. Instead of showing us like people fighting in the Galactic Senate like the prequels did, mm-hmm. this was kind of like, we'll put all the politics in the crawl right. and let you get to uh, what I think was probably one of the boldest plots of a Star Wars movie of making everything one continuous moment. Yeah. Um, it all takes place over what? 18, 18 hours? 18 to 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Which. Yeah. Which Are you- drew some questions for me with Ray's stuff because she's on Octo for a couple of days, right? So I, I think, think that might have been kind of a. Or is that just an Octo's? Their sons rotate different cycles. Maybe that they do be. it that way. I don't know. Yeah, but that was kind of that was what I was thinking on the second time of. Okay, well, I mean, they could explain it that way. That's no problem. It's been like you know, she took off. You know, two days before the Battle of Dakar, and mm-hmm. you know, those I think couple that's- of days could have been kind of just happening a little before mm-hmm. but just been placed yeah. in and then by the time we get to the third act everything is caught up into you know present day because we have like right. you know that montage of luke just doing <laughs> wilderness stuff oh, and yeah his daily routine yeah the green milk this time oh, around wow. that was uh, shocking 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 just, i thought it was goofy and fun or jarring maybe is more jarring than like there's a shot of just four udders right there. <laughs> like that that's in a Star Wars movie. Okay. Uh Luke's dairy habits. And then um, his smile, it's it's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of reminiscent of Yoda in mm-hmm. He's a little five. he's a little crazier and mm-hmm. yeah. But I, I think we can get into Luke's story then building off that because you know, when Ray gets to him, she's like, 
she like explains the whole thing of like, listen, the the universe is in trouble. Like we need Luke Skywalker. And he's like, you don't need me. And right. he's like, I came, why do you think I came to the most unfindable place in the galaxy? I want to die and let the Jedi die with me. And so then for him to go from that to then ultimately training her to be like, listen, he, I'm going to train you. So you know what is wrong with the Jedi only then for him to come full circle and be like, you know, I got to pass on what I, what <laughs> I got to pass on my teachings. Yeah. And I really loved that arc for Luke, even though it's probably very unexpected from what a lot of people wanted to see Luke's return 30 years after the fact. It wasn't what I expected at all. I was expecting him to come back and, you know, have this amazing moment where he confronts Kylo mm-hmm. and he never left the island. No, which is like kind of weird. Like I was kind of surprised by that, uh, especially since they ultimately he, – he, he, lost the will to live, I guess you could say. Uh, you know, he just, he just passes on into the, into the force ghost section of the universe. Um, personally, I didn't have any disappointments with Luke's journey. It, sure. It would have been cool to see him light up the green saber one more time and have an actual battle with Kylo. But mm-hmm. I think it sets it up better for, cause if he would have come back full force and been like, you know, here, here I am, here's the best Jedi in the galaxy back again. Then what, you know, what does Ray do in nine if he's if she's not just his apprentice? So I think it opens the door for nine then to just be Ray versus Kylo, which ultimately is you know what I want for that next movie. Yeah, uh, and one of the things though too about Luke, um, at least Luke's story, especially him not actually returning, is the uh, is his confrontation with kylo i mean Mm -hmm. kind of the coming coming around from basically punctuating that he doesn't want to come back with taking a lightsaber from ray and and one of the probably more hilarious moments of star wars just throwing it over his shoulder the the most climatic moment that abram set up (laughs) johnson's just like not screw it you know we're done with it we're not going to go there but and then saying what do you want me to do face down the first order with my saber to actually doing that Mm -hmm. you know in a way um at the end but then he, he tells kylo like if you strike me down, I'm always going to be with you. Yeah. Kind of like uh, you're going to end up carrying my weight, mm-hmm. the weight of my death, because you're going to end up regretting it in some kind of way. Just like he did with Han Solo. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And then like we, like he couldn't do with Leia, uh, you know, yeah. about. He had all the opportunity and he didn't yeah. pull the trigger. 15 hours earlier in the film. So like Luke doing that is sort of like him acknowledging, oh, Ben's not totally gone. Like it's like him correcting his mistake of you know almost gutting because that that was that's a dark scene too him almost killing his son in his sleep yeah well he's rather out of character for one thing did that bother you luke's fallible i think it was him his like temptation like in that moment like you look at several jedi as they've gone through their temptation some have fallen to the dark side some have overcome it Mm -hmm. and in all fact he did he did overcome it but it was still that one moment that would have taken half a second and that would have been his descent to the dark side right there. Yeah. But instead, he overcame it right as Ben woke up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love that moment. Like, the fact that he was kind of, you know, almost spying on Kylo's mind, being like, oh, let's see what you're really thinking, what your future could hold, to see all the pain and destruction he would cause. And then just have that, like he says, I had a moment of weakness. And he lights up the saber, but then immediately realizes, oh, this isn't what I should do. But it was too late. So, like, the fact that Kylo, because, yeah, I mean, if you woke up and you look over your shoulder and Luke is standing with that look on his face, the lightsaber, you're like, oh, oh, right. oh snap, like, yeah. 
yeah, I need, like, he's not on my side and I need to be on the other side of this thing. And yeah, like that's probably, I think that's, again, it goes to Mark Hamill just being so adamantly against this version because he wasn't the big hero. He didn't get his big return. Instead, he was, you know, he even got the Obi-Wan message played to him in the movie. And like to see him with struggling with all of that stuff while he was trying to train the new Jedi order and then for him ultimately to be the one that gave birth to Kylo Ren, I think is a really uh, different way to take Luke, mm-hmm. but ultimately give, I think, Kylo even more character weight behind him and a lot more stuff for JJ to play with then in 9 to see right. how they further explore this because um, I thought that was really an interesting way to do it. Uh, absolutely. you know, And it plays right back to being... Mark Hamill played Luke Skywalker when he was a goody two shoes in all three films. Mm-hmm. I mean, what the the guy the kid's one mess up is I have to go save my friends. Right. Oh no, it's too soon, you know, type of a deal. Jedi Orthodox mm-hmm. finish your training. Blah 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 blah. Uh, but right here, it's kind of like a retro, not a retroactive, but a, you know, a moment of uh, like the Batman versus Superman. Do you bleed type of a deal? You know, right. Luke Skywalker bleeds ultimately. He falters and he's not he's not perfect. Mm-hmm. And it was a really great. Uh, retroactive, you know, I mean, not retroactive, but you know, a great character progression. I yeah. Put that in there. Um, so we, I mean, you guys mentioned that final confrontation with Kylo, uh, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And it introduced a new force power. Basically you can yeah. have like, um, you know, a, a astral projection of yourself somewhere else that can still interact with people on a limited basis. Yep. You could, he could still hand those fake dice to Leia. Um, Which can I, can I say is the most obscure thing to pull out of the, 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 the original trilogy. They're only in like one or two shots right. in that Falcon cockpit. And you know, they popped up there. Yeah. And I thought that, I thought that was great. Okay. So I don't know. I think I know those are the dice that how Han won the Falcon. That was my assumption, but I don't think it ever really states that. Not canon-wise, there's a reference to like the loaded dice that he has or that yeah. he has to carry with him. But I, so I guess those are it. Okay, that's what I assumed. But I was like, I just, you know, I didn't know if either of you guys knew that. Um, but you know, Johnson introduced like like I mentioned in the preview. I wanted to see Johnson what he would do with the Force, and mm-hmm. he introduced a bunch of new stuff. You know, he introduced that. You know that astral projection part of it, but he also introduced Snoke's force powers. We can manipulate people across the galaxy. He can, um, what is it, blend minds together? Is that Mind what meld, he, yeah. And but then he also like the force pull from Leia, which I know has been a big talking point for a lot of people. Has been like that's where I think a lot of people either this movie either lost them or they were even further hooked in. I loved it. The fact that Leia got to use the force. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's different than anything we've seen before. But that's fine because it's the Force, and there's only been like six movies, so why can't there be more? <laughs> Did you think she was gone when the yeah place got blown? I thought that I know she was originally supposed to be in Episode Nine. Mm-hmm. I thought that's the way they wrote her out. I thought she was done. Yeah, I mean, I, well, because immediately as it happened, I was like, wait. I like started replaying all the marketing in my head of like, did we did we see her anywhere else? And then I was like, I don't think we did. I was like, oh wait, no, she's on crate. Oh thank goodness. And like I like that momentary like sigh of relief and be like oh, that's oh thank right. goodness no see i forgot about but then, that but completely I, but then i was like but is that even was that even her because you only see it like i think you see i see like from a distance so i was like they they could have you know changed some things and uh i was like but yeah i mean i totally thought i was like they they just killed her yeah no i i thought it was really great though but then like um 
So we're we're all on board for you know Leia using the Force in that way. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What about Snoke's ability to you know have Rey and Kylo's minds come together? Because I thought that was so interesting. Yeah, it's a link. It's like an emotional mani- way to manipulate yeah. people through the Force. I, I, I think it also shows how powerful he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something we've never seen done before. It's clear that there's a scene where he electrocutes Kylo. He's got you know the Sith Force powers, mm-hmm. and it's it's some. I, I was a little disappointed in the way that he went out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah uh, well, I mean, we haven't talked about that, but sure, we can jump let's into get it. Get to it because it's no. Snoke's gone. Yeah, Snoke's you're dead. Your Snoke theory sucked because <laughs> all Snoke theories yeah, sucked. Yeah, because it doesn't. It probably matters. Maybe they'll reference it in nine of being like, because if Kylo is now the new supreme leader, mm-hmm. if he's inheriting all of Snoke's armies, his fortune potentially, yeah, maybe they can then explore it that way. But I thought the way they killed him, I thought was awesome. It was an incredible scene, but it was also a little disappointing. I was yeah. expecting so much more to learn so much more about him. I've always been kind of drawn to the Sith and like mm-hmm. especially the the more history of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And he seems like he could have been a character that's ancient that might have revealed more of that to us. And I was expecting a bigger confrontation. The way he did it was honestly incredible. But I guess I, I was just kind of had a hope to explore a little bit more of that side. Yeah. I can see that absolutely because I was like, "That's a, that's a, again, that's that risk of all of after seven. Yeah, the big questions are who raised parents and who is Snoke, and ultimately they, this movie answers, as far as we are led to believe, it answers both those questions, kind of, but it also just like Snoke ultimately was just a placeholder until Kylo grew power hungry enough where he's like, "I'm not somebody's lackey. Mm-hmm. I am the alpha dog." Yeah, and. He's not he's not asking to team up with Ray so they can be equals. He's like, let me train you. He wants he wants that pupil. He wants the power. And for them to ultimately I loved it on the second viewing of seeing, you know, Snoke's like reading Kylo's thoughts and being like, Yes, you know, lift the saber, rotate it, and kill your true enemy, all while Kylo's, you know, turning it, but all and like I thought it was such a great way to show how smart of a villain kylo is mm-hmm. where he's like i know snoke's reading my thoughts yeah so i'm gonna do what i'm doing with my lightsaber as i'm also doing it with the lightsaber next to him and kill him off that way uh the, i mean the moment of shock it was uh and then ultimately led to probably my favorite sequence of the movie when yeah. kylo and Ray the most team up yeah the most epic bat I, I i do i'm gonna say this that is the best battle um involving lightsabers in a, a star wars film it's pretty uh, awesome. I main, agree with that. The choreography is not over the top because, mm-hmm. like, listen, I, I, you really can't argue the best saber duel. That's the best saber duel because number one, it's not a saber duel. Number there are two, no saber duels. No saber duels. Which again, I was like, <laughs> what? <true. laughs> right, but it just felt like it felt like a sci-fi sword fight, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a lot of ways. And watching them battle in that red room. And that you know, with like imperial guards that we were always told are the best in the galaxy, but we never actually see them fight anybody. Right. We actually got that, and it was so epic. And yeah, I mean, can I? I want to just devolve back into Snoke real quick. Yeah. But I think Jonathan realized we'd already seen this before. Mm-hmm. We've already seen this big figure looming yeah. over the thing, and we got to see Emperor Palpatine's rise. So why redux it? Mm-hmm. When Adam Driver, who I'm, I've said it before, is probably one of the best actors out there right now. I mean, at least in his generation, yeah, thirty the thirty year old range. Um, 
and let him be your villain mm-hmm. because number one, he's related to our old cast. He's got a he's got a rich story. I mean, at least that we can ad- identify with because yeah. it's complex instead of just being super evil Snoke. Yeah, and we we got to see him kind of just, we see his like rise to power right there and there, and I, yeah, I thought I thought it was a great choice. Now, yes, he did waste Andy Serkis as a great villain. Um, but he can always be CG, so you can always just replay. You can always bring that guy back and have him play somebody else in the right. films or something like that. I, no. I even I I just loved the sinister nature of Snoke. Like he was so he had that manipulation. He had the the um, the foresight to see kind of what was coming to have a plan in place. It was ultimately kind of his demise in a sense. But I, I just loved, even though we only got like two scenes with Snoke in the movie. Yeah, like. His introduction, the hologram, where he's just like make he just makes a rag doll out of Hux. I was like, oh, okay, this dude's here to play. I love it. And then when he's like manipulating Kylo and then manipulating Ray again, I just I really just enjoyed everything we got. And yeah, like I was anticipating him to be around more, but like you mentioned, we've we've seen that arc before. If he sticks around, you know, then in in nine we have to get a similar, you know, sort of showdown of all right. Well, now it's Ray versus Kylo and Snoke's lingering in the background or something like yeah. we have to do return of the jedi again and instead johnson's like no i'm going to take that return of the jedi ending put it in the fifth in the middle installment and now nine yeah. we've used up most of the tropes of star wars nine you got to do something completely different <laughs> um which i think is super exciting in and of itself but also just for snoke i i thought he was great but uh i mean to get back to that battle the team up please we you know, the trailers led us to believe that they were going to team ups in some way and you know, I was I, I bought a hook, line, and sinker. I was like, somebody, somebody, or both of them are turning. And they even mentioned in that elevator ride up, like, I've seen your future. You're gonna turn. And Kyle was like, No, I've seen your future, and that's why I know. Or I've seen your parents, and that's why I know when the time comes, you will be the one to turn and join me. And so then to see them team up, you're like, This is incredible. Like, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. They're gonna pair up. But then, you know, you see Snoke's body there. And you're like, okay, so if that's the case, I'm like, what's going to happen for the ninth movie? But, yeah, just the choreography of this. You're seeing each of them fight off these guards. But seeing Kylo handle, like, four or five of them. And Rey is still kind of struggling with, like, two. Mm-hmm. Like, it, again, it shows Kylo is the one that is much more trained. Rey may be powerful, maybe even more powerful. But she's still untrained. Kylo has all of that training with him, the fighting, um, you know, all the training in the force and to see him just kind of take out his, his, I'm assuming buddies, he probably knows them. Yeah. But then to, to see him just take him out and have all the cool moments of the slow-mo of them going back to back of Ray dropping the lightsaber going down and just like slicing that dude's back. And mm-hmm. then having her throw the lightsaber to Kylo and just go whoosh, and just turn it right through the dude's face. I was like, yeah. that is so much more violent than I thought they were going to go in a Star Wars movie. It, yeah. it it blew me away. One of the biggest complaints from The Force Awakens as well was just that Ray beat Kylo mm-hmm. completely untrained. And I think it just goes to show that he really wasn't trying to kill her. He was trying to turn her. Right. I don't think he was trying to kill her, but then he's also, you know, he was injured and he's yeah. he's 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 wounded, he's winded, yeah. like there's a lot of factors to that fight. Um but yeah, I think again, I yeah. Think it's just interesting to see that he really is that powerful. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just he really wasn't trying in the first one. And yeah. I, I'm happy to see that. Yeah. And it also goes to show that, like, you know, the end of The Force Awakens, they're like, Snoke says, bring 
Kylo back to me. It's time to finish his training. There's probably a couple day gap in between seven and eight in terms for Kylo. But just again, if we imagine that those couple of days were just, you know, three a day training with Snoke, it's been like, here's get all these force powers, get better. And then he can take off in a new way. It continues just making him more and more powerful. And uh, I can't wait to see what he does next. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the cl- yeah, to close out like, you know, Snoke's whole thing though. Um, or well, I mean, yeah, Ren, obviously, uh, there's a lot to him, you know, left to explore. And that's mm-hmm. why he ultimately, he's going to be super compelling because anything he does from here on out is going to be like, you know, the first time he's done it. Or if they're, you know, depending on how the sequel plays him out, mm-hmm. his return after th- that exit on a crate for him is going to be absolutely crazy see i think this movie almost made a better case than seven did of being like no like if kylo wasn't committed in seven he may have done the deed and killed han Mm -hmm. but he still had that conflict in him right by the end of this movie i think any chance of him turning is gone i mean leia says as much she's like you know i know my son's gone i held out hope but he's not there anymore and then to see him just all that anger, to for him to embrace the Supreme Leader name and being like, Ray, join me on the dark side and we can rule the galaxy together. There's no there's no coming back, I don't think. Right. Which uh, I think can only you know increase his potential for nine. Um what else do you want to talk about? There's still a ton of stuff. Well, uh can I can I talk about my favorite part? The yeah. most cl- the most clever writing okay. that I think Ryan Johnson did. Uh, was our cameo of our little green friend of Puppet Yoda. Puppet Yoda. The most probably the one of the most delightful moments. Because as soon as as soon as you see him just shaking his head and giggling <laughs> like a lunatic at Luke, uh I was just like, yeah, this is that's kind of where I always I just felt better about like, you know, the film as a whole and yeah. the nostalgia that um, these movies are still soaked with, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, came seeping out. Uh, but first of all, the dude, I mean, whoever writes for Yoda is like either, I mean, super high all the time. I mean, I don't know what, but like <laughs> the, what the words he spits out are super, super wise, at least in the star Wars logic. I'm not crazy. Right. I mean, I would you, how'd you guys feel about his cameo back? I mean, not no Hayden Christensen is Darth nope. Vader. No, um, you no, McGregor, Ian McGregor is Obi-Wan or Sir Alec Guinness, you know, Right, hologram technology generation or whatever <laughs> they would do, but you guys dug the Yoda cameo, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I thought it was it was a smart way to bring him back, but I also loved his role. It wasn't just like, oh, let's bring a Force Ghost in just for the sake of it. It was like, no, Luke needs Luke needs his mentor back. Let's let's have Luke talk talk you know Luke down from being like, you know, everything's everything's going going to crap you know yeah. <laughs> the galaxy's in shambles like you know we need to end the jedi and he's like then and then yoda or he wants to he wants to burn down that tree right but, the then, he, but then he's like i don't yep. know if i can and then yoda's like i'll do it mm-hmm. and you're like okay yoda's got <laughs> lightning powers from the sky <laughs> which is cool um but then i just love that he's just like that he has that really great line in there where he says something like everything Ray needs she already has yeah this which is, ties in great to the end of the movie th- yeah because it's it's a it's a line that only Yoda could say um and it's it's this because this is exactly what happened okay wisdom they held 
but the library contained nothing that the girl Ray does not already possess. So now when you hear that in the moment, I'm like, that is so profound. She yeah. already has, she already knows the way of the Jedi and how yeah. to be a Jedi. She doesn't need these ancient manuals. It's, it's inherent in people of, you know, how to be good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Yoda is so wise. <laughs> and right? then, and then at the end, this is what makes it so mischievous. Finn is rummaging through the compartments of the Falcon and in the, in the, um, in the container yeah. is all of the books from the library. And you're just like, Oh, Yoda is like, no, probably met literally. Yeah. She has, she the already book. took She's them, good. <laughs> which I thought was so great. Cause like the first time I saw it, when I, when the movie ended, you know, I, the first time I was like, okay, you know, he's just being, you know, figurative and being like, you know, she already mm-hmm. knows all that stuff. Like yeah. You're saying, but then by at the end, I was like, when he's rummaging through, I just, I was kind of, you know, just not paying attention to the books. But then I saw like that square symbol on one of them. And I was like, Wait, mm-hmm. I thought, what, wasn't that on one of the Jedi books? And then I was like, I'm so glad I'm seeing this again in an hour yeah. <laughs> so I can see it again just to, just to double check. And yeah, to know that it's in there, to know that either she already stole them um, or that you know somehow the Force you know put them there or whatever you know whatever that right. know, explanation ultimately is, it was just a great way <laughs> to have her have a way to continue the Jedi Order. Right but then still have like, you know, Yoda's kind of wisdom mm-hmm. there to Luke, but also still like the quip of like page turners. They were not. <laughs> it's like, uh, Especially because Mark Hamill's just like, or Luke's just like, I, 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 I skimmed them. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. I didn't actually read them. Logan, you liked Yoda's return. Everything oh, about it. I thought it was, I thought it was a great scene. Once again, it was Luke needed his mentor mm-hmm. back. He was, he had really lost his way there for a while. Yeah. And I think it was a cool scene to bring, that nostalgia back and mm-hmm. i love the way they brought the the old props back the puppets mm-hmm. it's so much better than the cgi yeah i i i may have preferred cg yoda just with you know Boo. i know i know i know i'm in the minority there oh. because i mean special effects nowadays you know you no. can you can make it look pretty good but i understand why they did it for nostalgia's sake but also that's the last time we saw him so it makes sense that you know he's still puppet formed or puppet looking but that's just me that's just a personal opinion um what else do we got here Ooh. uh well we could talk about ray yeah we haven't talked about ray yeah haven't she has <laughs> she's, she's a pretty important character the most harrowing journey in the film yeah yeah it's great someone want to lay it lay it out i mean um i mean basically she start. yeah i mean you just want her her arc laid out or what yeah. Go I mean, she basically. I mean, what you guys think? I, I loved it. I, I love that she ultimately, you know, had to continue to struggle with trying to find her place in all of this. You know, having been drawn to the dark side when she's channeling the force there on the on the cliff, but then having that mental connection to Kylo and struggling with that and trying to be like, why are we connected? Why like them bonding over that? I thought was really great. Um, and then ultimately, you know her getting frustrated with Luke and his lack of teaching and his lack of faith and lack of willingness to become Luke Skywalker again um, to the point where she challenges him basically. And like they get into a little stick fight. So you could, you know, I'm sure a fan will edit lightsabers into that to replace those <laughs> place them. So we can get a, you know, a pseudo lightsaber fight in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I loved his little force grab at the end where he like, you know, he's like, I'm not going to fall on my butt. I'm Luke Skywalker. Right. But then for her to go off and I'd be like, you know, no, I've seen Kylo's future. He can be redeemed. He's there's still good in him. Mm-hmm. Have that faith in him because again, she's still trying to find somebody as a companion in all of this. 
only for Kylo to ultimately be like, no, I'm still power hungry. I still want to be bad. I still want to rule the galaxy. And her be like, no. <laughs> and you know, then you know she gets the awesome moment at the end where she's just like there, holding all those rocks over her head. The great reunion with Finn, and uh, yeah, that, that's the end. Yeah, I th- the Finn the Finn reunion was a little bit colder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. They're just kind of like, hey, you're alive. Yes. And they hug and then that's it. I think they they think that should have been a little drawn out. Yeah. Um, but what do you think? I mean, you don't always meet Logan. Like you don't always meet your heroes or you, they say never meet your heroes because they're never what you expect. Mm-hmm. And Luke was a tool or at least for the <laughs> most part. For the Ray. most part, for most of the movie, he was kind of a tool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things, meeting your heroes, they can... It was the same with the scene with Finn, I think, in the beginning when it's like, oh, you're such a big hero, you're the Finn. <laughs> yeah, I already stopped three people from jumping into the skate pod. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, about that. And then he's loading up. Yeah, yeah I'm not I'm not leaving. Uh, no, <laughs> doing a routine check. By boarding it with a backpack? <laughs> and she, like, zaps him. Which yeah, like has that like, great little turn. She just, like, has mm-hmm. that heroic pose. Uh, yeah, I really, I really liked Kylie Marie Tran. I thought she was great, but I even, I may have liked her sister even more. If we want to jump into the beginning of the movie real quick, yeah, I thought that whole sequence above Dakar and Paige Tico's little arc there, yeah, I thought that was just really cool to see, you know, the inner workings of a battle. Mm-hmm. Um, to see her like you know, kind of freeze up in that moment of being like, uh, I don't know if I can do this, but then she's like, I, I got, I have to. Everybody else is gone. Uh, but it ultimately just paid it paved a way for Poe to have I think Poe may have been my favorite part of this movie. He may have had my favorite arc. Okay. Just because he goes he he is that hot shot. You know, he goes and he he has that great moment when he's like trying to talk down Hux and just distract him and then he he again demonstrates his incredible piloting skills, takes out all of the gunners and but then Leia's like, Okay, you know, we're good, let's get out of here and he's like, No, 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 we can take this down and she's like Oh no, we have to leave. And he's like, "No, we got this. We have to do this now because yeah, if we don't." Yeah, to fleet killers. Yeah, I think it was a pride issue with him. Mm-hmm. It was like his chance to do that, you know. Yeah, and like for him to do it and then lose four hundred people or something. He lost like four bombers. Yep. Um, you know, a ton of different fleet ships. Like he was responsible for the deaths of hundreds of the members of the, 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 of the resistance, which is already a very small faction <laughs> already. Yeah, yeah. So for him then to have that weight on him, to get slapped by Leia and be like, don't, you know, you have to listen to me. You're mm-hmm. demoted. And then when, you know, when she goes into her coma, I loved the look of disappointment on his face when, you know, I don't know the, the Admiral's name who's the, they're Vice talking. Admiral Holdo. No, no, not oh. Holdo. Who's introducing Holdo. Yeah, correct. I don't um, either. That character, when she, she was just like, the chain of command is very clear. We know who should be the replacement, and it's going to be. And all that time, you see, you see Poe, and he kind of starts, you know, putting his uh, shoulders back, putting out his chest, and be like, "Yeah, it's going to be me. It's going to be me." And then like Vice Admiral Holdo, and he's just like, "Oh, it's it's not me." And then he like he has to play second fiddle to Holdo, and Holdo doesn't want to listen to him at all because she's like, "Weren't you just demoted? Didn't you just kill a bunch of people by right. disobeying commands?" You're, you're grounded. You're not. You're not going to go fly. And for them to then, I think, have that journey where then it feeds into nine, where he can be the new resistance leader, of having to learn how to be strategic, how to think outside of just 
what's great in this moment when he's the one of like, no, why would Luke go out there one-on-one if he, he has to be doing it for a reason? Yeah. Oh, it's because he's stalling. There has to be another way out. Or we have to f- try to find another way out. That's why Luke's doing this. And I just loved that arc for him. And it gave Oscar Isaac a lot more to do, uh, which you know I was you know, I was a fan of. And then his reunion with fit, with uh, BB at the very end there. Oh yeah, I loved this little touch of him just like rubbing his belly. I was like, oh That's, yeah, <laughs> like he's just like a little dog. I loved it, <laughs> especially because yeah, Kelly Marie Tran- or Finn and Rose comes like sliding in there on that mm-hmm. old Imperial shuttle, and that he's like, you guys, you're you made it back. Where's my droid? Yeah, <laughs> like immediately, like in the deadpan way of uh, uh, just just you know how how the how the humor is structured. Mm-hmm. Um, uh. And then, like, you know, another deadpan moment, though, not to jump around, but yeah. in terms of comedy, when Luke's like, everyone's from somewhere, Ray. <laughs> She's like, I'm from Jakku. He's like, oh, well, that is pretty much nowhere. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but why are you here still? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I've, I love that. Did you guys have any problems with the humor? I've seen some people complain about some of the humor wasn't Star Wars or it was just in there too much or it took away from, you know, what should have been kind of iconic or important moments like Luke in lightsaber where he just flips over his shoulder. It's like, I liked that. I thought it was funny, but I could see why some would be like, no, that's like, that should be a very important thing. And that maybe doesn't feel exactly in line with Luke's character. I think Luke's characters changed a lot and it kind of moved towards what Yoda was mm-hmm. in episode five and six. Um, so I was okay with that humor. It was very reminiscent. Some of the stuff, it was a lot different, but I don't think it was necessarily bad. It just, it wasn't the, classic Star Wars humor. Nobody yeah. was being called really well. Yeah, nobody was being called moof milkers or nerf herders <laughs> or anything like that. Um, you know, like like that, you know, like like Han does in The Force Awakens. Right. So there were some Star Wars insults that we didn't miss out on. Uh and I, did we get a Wilhelm scream? Who? Um I thought I, I thought I could have heard one. Okay, I'll have to watch it again because I didn't hear a Wilhelm scream this time around. Right. Like, well, but then they they had the least number of um, transition uh, shots. Well, wipe, oh, the yeah. wipes. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I have a bad feeling about this line was coded in BB-8. Yes, which uh, I did. I did catch by the way the first time around. I didn't catch it, but I was like, that makes sense. Like. Yeah. You know, I thought about it after the fact. We did talk, I mean, because we just had talked about in the preview episode about how BB-8's words sound like there's him saying things, mm-hmm. and they, they put that to use yeah. early on. Um, let's talk about some of the other supporting characters. Yeah. We talked about Holdo there briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't love her to start. By the time it got around, I thought her arc was maybe a little quick of her all the secrecy around what her plan was. Ultimately she knew that, you know, crate was down there and they were going to, you know, pass off on the, on the transport vehicles. I didn't know if she needed to be so secretive, but I know she's also trying to teach Finn a lot or not Finn teach Poe a lesson probably. Um, but she had a great way to go out. And I was shocked. I was very surprised that Holdo ultimately died in this movie. If yeah, you, first of all, you got, What's her name? I've forgotten. <laughs> Laura I've, Dern. I've forgotten Laura Dern's name. Thank okay. you. Um, who is just a stellar actress and having like the the biggest comeback ever right now. Uh, and you know we got this moment of her between her and Leia, and we're like, oh man, they're best friends. Mm-hmm. Like they're 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 great friends actually. This is going to be great. And then she's like, I'm staying behind. Yeah. It's like no. And then, but what she does. Uh, was I mean you were in the theater with me, Logan? It was 
one of the coolest scenes in the entire movie. The light speed. The light oh. speed. Watching it and just it, it just went through all the ships behind the uh, yeah the dreadnought. It was just. I, I don't know about your theater, Cooper, but ours when when the when the theater just goes dead silent because it's, it's a space uh-huh. collision and there's nobody like you know it's from the space perspective inside, right. inside, instead of inside a cockpit, it's just like. Yeah, everybody, everybody cheering and going woohoo, oh, okay. and clapping, and then but then in the first showing, right? And then in our second yeah. showing, people are like, "Oh my goodness, oh my gosh, no, what's yeah. going on?" <gasps> and yeah, just gasps. In both of my screens, it was more like, "Whoa!" It was just being like breathless, just holding their breath, just being like the let the silence play. I thought it was beat, like just the look of it was so stunning. Uh, that was that is one of my favorite shots of the movie. Is just the white part of it just streaking mm-hmm. through the dreadnought, um, you know, broken in half and just everything about that. It's it's one of the moments seeing it twice that I love both times, but also that got a really great reaction from the crowd both times. Yeah. Uh so the other person we mentioned Holdo was a goner. We mentioned Snoke's a goner. Phasma also a goner. Personally, you know, going into seven, I didn't, I, I didn't have expectations for Phasma to begin with. I didn't see Game of Thrones at that point, so I didn't know who Gwendolyn Christie was really, or why there's all the hoopla around her. I was like, yeah, she looks cool, but I don't really care about her. Um, I was very surprised by how small of a role she had in this movie. She didn't show up for probably an hour and a half, and then she's gone. She's dead, and. It was very quick. I'm totally cool with it because, again, I wasn't invested in that character. Have I didn't need her to be right there involved again or have because they already if they're going to have the confrontation between Finn and Phasma this time. If she makes it out, what's her role in nine outside of they just want to replay that again? So I get probably I'm guessing that's probably the reasoning behind her death because they just probably ran out of room or ran of ideas for her. Sure. Yeah. Um. And I, th- I mean, it's probably not going to be a lot of people are going to be happy with it because pe- more people wanted even more of her after seven and have heard I come back in such a small way. But um, I thought it, I don't really care that she died. I thought it was cool. I thought it was, a, I thought it was a braver choice to kill her than to keep her around, because if she made it out, all the expectations are she's going to be back, bigger role in nine. Now those expectations are gone. She has a smaller role, yes, but she got she at least got a cool fight scene out of it. I, I liked the Finn Phasma duel. Did you guys have any problems with Phasma's small role and her ultimate demise? No, I don't think I do. She was a really cool character, but she wasn't that dynamic. Yeah, we didn't. I didn't feel that attached to her, even though I loved her in Game of Thrones. She's a fantastic actress. Yeah, Gwen but and Christie, great. I didn't feel that connected to the characters, so I'm not too upset about losing her. I wouldn't have minded seeing more of her though. Mm-hmm. You we're wrapping up storylines for people in these movies and yeah Gwendolyn Christie too good uh to be wasting her time you know in a a role that's just gonna have her pop up for four or five minutes I would have loved to have seen her carrying out some kind of like grand mission or scheme right that that epic fight in the fiery hangar um with like you know just like the flames watching that that whole just uh, the the aesthetics of like you know her and the gleaming armor, and then Finn, you know, just smacking her inside the head, you know, calling yeah. her Chrome Dome. Let's go Chrome Dome. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It was a, it was a good way to go out. Now I will. I, uh, I've got more of a problem with BB-8's uh, 
um, AT, RT, ATST, yeah. you know, yeah. Joyride. I thought that was fine. It was cute. It yeah. was great. I mean, but then again, I was just like, how, how, are, how are these how are these First Order troopers just totally blowing it here? Right. I, yeah, I mean, at first I thought it was DJ. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, that was my first assumption. I thought DJ came back. And I would I would have been okay with that kind of redeeming moment for him. Mm-hmm. Instead, he was just gone. Yeah. Again, he, he's one of those small characters that's like, I, I'm never going to blame a movie for being able to attract talent to be like, oh, yeah, you know, we got Benicio Del Toro in this movie. But they probably only be able to get him because it was a role that took him a week to shoot or something. Like, you know, if it wasn't him, it's like, all right, well, let's get some no name nobody knows about. He they could get exposure that way, but it's not. It's going to be such a small role that it's not ultimately going to be that impacting. Right. So if you're going to, if you need somebody to fill the role and you have a, an A list actor to be there, sure, bring him in. You know, bring uh, Laura Dern in for a couple of weeks. That, make, that makes all sense to me. Instead of just being like, oh, let's, in, let's get some smaller people that people aren't going to care as much about because it it adds to the the cast list and the press stuff and everything. So um, I I never want to fault a studio for casting big for small roles um you know it's it's disappointing maybe that we don't get to see del toro right be boba fett or be uh um ezra ezra not ezra miller ezra bridger um you know get a cmb a character from canon or something but at the end of the day it's you know it's nothing that it's like oh this movie sucks because i didn't get enough del toro precisely you know and especially if um, his his entire thing because he's introduced in Canto Bite, and I will say this: I think I would have liked him, the finding of him, and all that things if that plate, because that, that whole entire sequence was positioned somewhere else in the movie. Yeah, like because I keep thinking, what if they'd opened the movie with Finn and Rose, you they'd know, doing this thing? Each other, kind of, and yeah, kind of like a pre like a pre thing done, mm-hmm. and then they came back to that yeah. type of a thing because I think that would have that would have like helped us out a little bit other than, you know, just side quest to like, you know, divert midway through the movie to find a guy who's ultimately going to be inconsequential. Well, and ultimately isn't the guy they set out to find. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Justin Thoreau with the, that, that with threw the me random out. cameo is the guy with the little lapel. Yeah. That was the one I was like, you know, I, did, I, I've not been able to catch Tom Hardy's cameo or Joseph Gordon-Levitt's cameo. I don't know where they are in this movie. Or the two, um, Princes, they're, they're, they're cut. Apparently, they're not in the movie. They're in the background, but they oh. don't get any lines. I thought they were. I, I thought I saw somewhere they were cut from the movie entirely. They're the two executioners. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Huh. No lines though. I didn't know Interesting. That. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, you know, that was the one though because you see his face and because I was like, I know that guy. Who is he? Oh, yeah, Justin Throw. Weird. Uh-huh. But again, I'm not gonna be like, oh, terrible movie. Right. <laughs> Uh, because it, speaking of, you know, DJ didn't die. He made it off the movie ultimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least as far as we believe, we don't actually see him leave. I guess we could have died in the explosion if yeah. they really wanted to kill him <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, but did any of the like almost deaths get you guys? Like, you know, there was the moment you know where Kylo's standing there and he has the blade. Did you think, oh, he's no? They're, they're not going to kill Ray, right? Right? No. Wait, they want to do this or? The one that got me, though, was Finn. Because of his lackluster arc in the movie, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, they're going to do this to give him that big send-off and to kind of make his arc a little better because he's going to have this big hero moment at the end of the day. 
I was like, I was, I was hooked in that he was going to die in that big cannon thing. And mm-hmm. when, when Rose ultimately saved him, I was like, Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see John Boyega leave already. So you'd have a much smaller role in this one. Um, he, he had such a big part in the force awakens. It did seem a little more of a flat role. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. And that's where the, 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 you know, the Canto bite story came out of. Yeah. But I really did think they were going to do it mm-hmm. because, like you said, I mean, w- what else has he got? And then that right. would be a, it would be a, you know, a, a loss for Ray mm-hmm. on top of, you know, but, you know, Luke and everybody else. Yeah. But did you think that him and Rose's relationship was a little bit forced? I mean, or just ham fisted? Not, no pun intended. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, it was like shoehorned in. I mean, yeah. I don't think she'd ever give us, gave us any indication that, you know, like she, her, cause, cause, the the reason I have a problem with it is because it, she comes across like she's like a fangirl yeah. type of a deal. Like, cause we know that she's definitely inspired by him and mm-hmm. totally a fan uh, early in the movie. And then we're like, did, okay, yeah, they did go through Canto bite, mm-hmm. but it's not really seen that, you know, they're really developing any kind of rapport yeah. other than sharing, you know, observations of the planet. And then that happens. And this is only over like a 24 hour period too. Right. So it seemed really sudden. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would. Like they literally met less than twenty four hours before. Yeah, yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, again, it's not that big of a detriment to the movie, and maybe it won't work as much on a repeat viewing potentially. But at least on the first two watches, I was like, you know, there's not that much build up or really any build up for a romantic relationship here. But at the end of the day, I could, you know. It's John Boyega, so I'm sure you know, a good girl would love him. And, right. Uh, if he's the war hero and all this stuff, I'm sure. I mean, it's in that sense, it's easy to see why you know, she could have almost that fangirl, um, you know, attachment to him. Mm-hmm. But but also, I did like though that at the end that he he gets the blanket to put on her because yeah. it's like okay, it's not totally just one way. Like he didn't really like respond to the kiss. Like he's just like, uh. He's like shocked. He's like, "What? What's happening here?" Right. But then he can. By the end of the movie, you no. Know, a couple hours later, he's like, "No, I do care about this girl, though." Now, his mind is still probably with Ray, but he has found somebody who loves him mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, potentially. So I mean, uh, it wasn't that. Um, wasn't that shocking to me i guess yeah i just suppose i don't want nine i don't want jj abrams to have to deal with like fin in the friend zone you know or right. whatever the case is because clear ray's not going to have anything you know really reciprocal i don't think with finn with finn i but i think she's got it with somebody else though there there the was pope? a little bit of chemistry there with pope. oh yeah that <laughs> moment they met it seemed there was there was some uh not, sexual tension there what <laughs> There was some attraction. What? No, that definitely was. That's just Poe being Poe. Like you just it's saved Oscar our Isaac. butts. Well, yeah, it's Oscar Isaac, but I think uh, th- with, Plus, how, with how JJ writes, there's oh, no. it's it's absolutely happening. Uh, They've got the BB-8 connection. That's why he's like, oh, I know who you are. Not because of probably all the resistance stuff, but because his she, little buddy BB-8 was with her for a couple of days, and he's pro- and BB-8 probably like, hey, buddy. Uh, I know you're I know single. The, I, I know this girl. Wingman. She's uh, really cool. She's awesome. She's strong with the force, and no. she's beautiful, and she's single. And didn't he say, "Let's get over like, there"? I've heard all about you. Yeah. Or something. Again, probably from it BBA. Probably wasn't from Finn. <laughs> no. no. Okay, that was that was like a, you just saved our lives. Now we're gonna go start the rebellion. Let's go. 
Like, no. I know you're a hero. You're the hero we've been waiting for. You're the, I mean, like, but like, you know, like Lou says, he, she's not, he's not the last Jedi. She is. Yeah. Uh, and, and Definitely it, more than that. Uh, yeah. There's you absolutely going to be something there. No, disagree. They're hard. like, you know, they're that pseudo family, you know, Poe and Ray. Then they got BB-8 as little child and, uh-huh. you know. It'll, it'll be great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm all there for it. Okay. And I, I, and I liked also, even if it's not anything romantic that plays out of that, I love the fact they addressed that two other leads I never met before <laughs> before <laughs> this very end of this movie. It's a very good point. Like, I thought that was a really great way to, to do it and maybe set that stuff up. Um, only a couple of things I have that I'm going to get through. Uh, speaking of Ray. Yeah. We find out who her parents are. Supposedly. Supposedly. I'm not totally sold because maybe Kylo's manipulating her to believe what he wants her to believe because he thinks if, you know, he's like, no, you've known it your whole life. Say it. Say it. Say your parents are nobodies. She's like, they're, they're nobodies. It's like, exactly. Now come join me because I'm a somebody. He's like, you don't have a place in the story. <laughs> yeah, that was like a really meta moment. It was. Too. And so that's why I was like, okay. Maybe it's not, but also, I mean, it was interesting that when she like went into that force glass section or whatever, right? Yeah. I love that moment of all the snapping and uh, the multiple rays. And then for her to see herself and he's like, show me my parents. I mean, does that mean something? I probably not. It's probably just either the force doesn't want to show her that or she couldn't see it at that time. Um, but I'm totally fine with if that plays out to be true that her parents are nobodies. I think that's better than her having to be a somebody. Yeah. Well, Logan, were you sold? I mean, like going into this movie, did you think uh, Ray was a Skywalker, a solo with the lost child, you know, or something like that? I wasn't sold on any one theory, but I felt like she was more than completely nothing. Yeah. I definitely didn't think she was a Skywalker. I, I'm glad she wasn't. I would have been a little upset if it was that lost siblings mm-hmm. connection again. I'm glad it wasn't. Um, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Yeah, but are you are you are you up in arms that they're the, the Ray like one of the more powerful force users in these movies now or like? She's I actually kind connected? of like it though. Okay, that there's other people out there. It's instead of just following the Skywalker the Skywalkers like they've done since Episode One. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It shows that there's other powerful people out there that aren't all on the Sith side. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it also leads to, you know, kind of that moment at the end with that kind of story of, you know, Anakin came from nothing. Ray came from nothing. And now the and the last shot of the movie is some random broom kid using the force yeah. with the rebel ring. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to play into nine, if that's going to play into Johnson's trilogy or what it, what the case is going to be there. It, or if it's just a throwaway. It's a thematic. Right. It's a continuity thing. Yeah. But. You know, if if he does play into the story somehow, nine, okay. Um, but I, I just, I again, I, I liked that part of it of being like, not everybody important. Like as Kylo would think, you don't have a place in the story. The most important people, or the people who could be the most influential, almost don't come from a place of power or royalty or whatever. They look at they come he they come from the stables trooper. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, the film is super egalitarian. I mm-hmm. mean, just like because of the idea because and Luke talks about hubris and arrogance oh, and things man. like that through the entirety of the film, and 
Kylo Ren, you can see him. He can see him picking that up in that moment in the chamber when he mm-hmm. tells Ray, "You don't have a place in this story. You don't belong here. You're nobody. You you basically made up. You you lied to yourself about who your parents were because you knew they just left you and you got hurt. And if you admit that they were nobody, then you don't get to be special anymore. If yeah. you can, if you can, but if you could say, I don't know who my parents are. It's kind of like kind of like Anastasia. You know, mm-hmm. I, she she ended up be, have not being at all related." to the royal family, but people were super intrigued by her. She became a somebody because she said she didn't know yeah. who, you know, people were and, you know, case something like that. So when he tells her, he's just like, yeah, you don't belong here at all. Get lost type of a deal. But you can be, if you hang out with me, mm-hmm. if you come under like yeah. my banner, you come and be part of the Skywalker blood. Right. And she ultimately, you know, we see him reject that. And, the split that happens with the lightsaber oh, is like that, that so cool. which yeah, first of all, very cool moment. Awesome. It's like, you know, that breaking apart of the mythology, the legend. Mm-hmm. And he's Kyle keeps saying, you know, let the past die. And the snapping of the lightsaber is kind of like that, you know, at least I saw it as like the symbolic way of like, all right, bloodlines are gone. Right. And now it's, it's, you know, uh, we're putting it, nine. It's gonna, it's just good versus evil again, put away, the Skywalkers mm-hmm. and then, you know, in that final moment, the story is being told of Luke facing down the first order by himself mm-hmm. and the legend of Luke Skywalker. He became a legend and it's not a Skywalker kid that's on that planet anymore. It's just somebody else who's been inspired by it. And he reaches out with the force and starts his, his brushing with the broom, and, yeah. you know, and then looks to the sky and sees the future. Yeah. Two things off of what you said. One, because the lightsaber's cracked, we see the kyber crystal still mm-hmm. there. Yep. Also, Luke had a red kyber crystal in his hut on Octo. Oh, yeah, he did. So is that going to factor in maybe? Who knows? Well, but because Ray has, you know, has Luke's has Anakin's kyber crystal now, is that going to be – are we going to get to see her – build her own lightsaber yeah. okay. or or by the time nine comes around is she already going to have crafted that new saber we're going to see some kind of like hot we're definitely going to see like a hodgepodge crafted of like it's rays but luke's lightsaber too kind with of like the graphing. staff she has the staff still at the end of the movie i'm oh, pretty she sure had a double-bladed lightsaber yeah, that would be incredible. that's got to be what it is why that else would, would she be have been carrying around this staff this entire time uh, well i mean training purposes yes and she just fights people with it but also, like, she's very... She she's is, proficient in it, so it would make sense make to give sense. her a double-bladed yeah. lightsaber. That like, would be incredible. That's probably her weapon of choice. It's something that's longer and has two sides to it. So why wouldn't it... If she's crafting her own, she could split her split her thing and put a copy in the middle, cut off the ends, and be like, let's yeah. do this. Oh, I think that'd be so cool. That um, would be wicked. The other thing, you mentioned the hubris of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. I loved that scene mm, uh, oh yeah where he's like he uh ray is talking to him about or no no no. ray's like why can't the jedi why did the jedi have to go and then luke's like dude the jedi weren't that great at all either and yeah, yeah take he's like take away all the mythology and all the praise around them and they they let sidious rise to power in the height of their power they trained the most evil person in the galaxy and he was a jedi and he was trained by a jedi he's like they're not that good but then I also I love then Ray's quip at the end. He's like, but it's also a Jedi that turned him, mm-hmm. talking to the Jedi that turned him. Yeah. So I, I love just the way that he they demystify the Jedi in that um, section. Right. And again, 
gives me hope that that is what uh, Johnson would do with his trilogy. Yeah, and well, then Kylo talks about it in that ch- that chamber too. He says uh, he's talking to Ray, and he says we're gonna burn or no, like we're di- to let the past die. Let the past yeah. die. The Sith, the Jedi, the I don't think he says the First Order, but he says the Republic, the Republic, and, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, all sorts of whatever, yeah. synonyms and antonyms for the fights that have yeah. gone over the years. Which, again, I thought was a great way for Ryan Johnson to basically position Star Wars 9 to be like, I've stripped you away of all Star Wars like, um, like mandates almost. Yeah. Sith are gone. Jedi are gone. The Republic is gone. The, uh, the Resistance is almost gone. There's no Sith. Like, there's none of that... Like prominent star wars mythos and now for nine they have to figure out a way to close that out some way <laughs> right and you know it, i mean jj pitched bob Iger on his, his you know his story D1 yesterday yeah yesterday i think yeah mm-hmm. so so we'll see what that is right. eventually um one other note before i have i have two other notes um and then you guys can give any other thoughts um it seemed to confirm the identity is the knights of ren yes that the other Padawans that Kylo took with him after he killed all the rest of them. Cause Luke says, yeah, you know, he took me down, he killed my entire school, but he still took a few of my apprentices with me, with him. I'm guessing those are the Knights of Ren. Yes. My and, assumption. And them, right. Well, or they get to make a comeback. They got to come back. In How they epic would that be if he had a legion of those dudes? I, it makes oh. sense. You know, um, also, last thing I have, and if you guys have anything else, um, yep. the Luke and Leia reunion. It's not technically <laughs> Luke and Leia meeting face-to-face, but the way they did it I thought was great. And then the words that are said through the exchange, you know, nobody's really ever gone, I think mm-hmm. is what Luke says. Um, you're just the kiss on the forehead, the giving back of Han's dice. It's almost that can, that. Um, the the original uh, uh, trio reuniting in a sense because Hans Dice are still there. Um, the, to know that that is probably the last scene that Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher filmed together, um, and as well as the final scene we'll ever see Luke and Leia on screen together, mm-hmm. it's uh, it all added up to one of the more touching moments, uh, especially the first time around. It definitely felt like a good send off for Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was super sweet. But I mean, but then I mean, she's still there at the very end. She's in that second to last scene. Yeah, that group wide shot. shot of everybody. Yeah, that was that was really nice too. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I mean, we have plenty of time to discuss how how they're going to deal with that in nine. But is there any other thoughts you, you know you have on the movie? Um, just a, some small things. Okay, any, uh, you know, run down other things you liked, disliked, whatever. Yeah. Uh, first of all, Chewbacca deep frying a porg was. <sighs> Classic. So good, one of the funniest moments in the entire so movie. So good, yeah. I mean, like the com- like I think we said the comedy was like stretched all over the place and sometimes worked and sometimes didn't work. But that's not to say every time these gags come up, they are not h- hilarious. Yeah, the porks are just waddling up to him like, well, what, "What are you doing?" And then because <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, Chewie's got a mini chicken. Yeah, that's that's what cool." I thought. And then you see the legs, yeah. and then they flash to the porg, then the porgs run away, and you're like, "Wait, what?" And then they show another porg, and they show Chewie looking at it again. I was just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> because I ne- it never occurred to me that these little cuddly creatures could be eaten alive, you know. <laughs> but also, when, okay, his reunion with Luke was Oh, that was great. so sweet. 
But also, when he busted open that door, the first one, I was like, did Ray just force push this door she off? She is P.O. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, that's awesome. But then when he comes you know, barreling through, I was like, okay, that makes more sense. Um, and I love the way they, they explained that Luke had shut himself off from the Force. So that's why when he first sees Chewie, and they're like, wait, the, the Falcon? Yeah. Where's Han? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so that's why he doesn't know is because he has just so shut himself off from the Force that he hasn't, he doesn't get those feelings. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it gave a great moment it, for Chewie and him. Yeah, I will say though that I did not appreciate that just because it cuts back on the look he gives Ray in episode yeah. seven. But I mean, Johnson does his own take on Luke's grief, and that's him sitting in the Falcon, which plays out a lot better because he's just like he's he's at the beginning of he's 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 at the end of Han's journey. He's he goes back to the beginning of where they became friends. Yeah, things like that. So. Um, but that's that's all I have, okay. Logan. I mean, any final notes or moments? Thoughts? I don't think so. Uh, favorite moment for everybody? The Fal- uh, Ray and the Falcon um, blowing TIE Fighters and making their run through the Salt Canyon. Okay. And Gareth Edwards' cameo, where yeah. he looks at the guy who's like tasting, tasting the, the salt. Tasting <laughs> the salt. And Gareth, like, uh, he, um, he's just like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I knew like when I saw it, I was like... I know who I know that guy. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't pinpoint who he is. I didn't catch it till the second show. Yeah, Logan, favorite one moment. Of my favorite, especially the visual moments, was where they drove through the hyperspace through mm-hmm. the dreadnought and just blew everything yeah. up. And just the silence in that moment. I mean, that, that's all you, you don't hear anything in space. Yeah, and it, the the whole theater, especially I think during the second showing, just went like silent. Right. Yeah, and there was a big explosion, but it was, mm-hmm. it was right. just a really cool visual moment. Punctuated. Yeah, I mean, my favorite moment is probably the Kylo Ray team up. It's yeah. just it's so just big and there and awesome that yeah. it's it's like that's going to be the one. I, Anytime I watch, I'm just like, this is sure. where my attention will automatically just like hone in. Mm-hmm. And like second time, I was like gearing up to like I leaned into my seat. I was like, I I can't wait for this moment. Um, yeah, so that's. Our discussion on Star Wars Last Jedi, we would all clearly recommend it. I am very surprised this movie is getting like very divisive reactions from audiences. Can I can I address that, please? Yeah. Because those numbers happened on Thursday night. And that and, and I think the numbers gonna rise a little bit. Mm-hmm. But let me just say, the people putting those out there and I'm gonna use a probably a pejorative term here, and I apologize, and I would love to fight you about this later, okay? But Angry Star Wars book readers are the ones saying they didn't like the <laughs> film. And because Luke was, instead of being the Grand Jedi Master from the Legacy of the Force and the New Jedi Order books, which, which I did love, mm-hmm. um, his character is stoic and di- undynamic throughout all of those books. Mm-hmm. His only real emotion is like this relationship with Mara Jade, who is you know the best right. Star Wars character ever created in those books. But it's still like he's passionless in it. And this here is... It's a, mu- a much better version, and I think that's where that's coming from, mm-hmm. and that's a that's an okay opinion, yeah. but it's ultimately a wrong opinion. <laughs> so I don't, I never want to say somebody's opinion is wrong. It's it's one I fundamentally disagree with that the movie is bad or you know doesn't under like I've, I've seen some people like this movie doesn't understand the force and they use the meme of that's not how the force works. It's like the force can be whatever you want it to be. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, from a fictional world. The, the, yeah, the best best reaction was that you saying that like Leia's use of the force is um like saying that since in four and five nobody uses force lightning that when the emperor does right. it it's completely you know out of canon and ridiculous right exactly like there's 
Yeah. To <laughs> if 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 we pigeonhole Star Wars, be like, you can't do anything new. Mm-hmm. Then what what are we doing? Right. If you if we have to stay within the boundaries of the original trilogy, you know, disregard anything from the prequels, right. and not just retell the movies that came with the original trilogy because then that's just a rehash of things we've already seen. But we can't show anything new. Then mm-hmm. again, what do you want from these movies? Is the question I would ask those people. Yeah, because it was the Force Awakens. I mean, like Logan said earlier, the Force Awakens was a clone of a New Hope. But it's it just seems like the reactions that have you know leaned towards the yeah. negative side have been like, well, I actually did want a clone of Empire Strikes Back, right? Or something. I'm like glad that. it wasn't though. I mm-hmm. I didn't want to see that again. I mean, I love the Empire Strikes Back. It might be my favorite Star Wars movie, but I don't want to see a, a just a rehash of that. Yeah, you know? exactly. So uh, that's all we have for our review of Star Wars: Last Jedi. Go see it. Join the discussion if, if you haven't already. If you listen to this whole <laughs> spoiler discussion and you haven't seen it, I'm sorry because we ruined a lot of things for you. <laughs> but that is on your uh, that's on your conscience, not ours. Um, so we'll be right back in a bit with the news. And we're back with the news, and as always, we're going to start with the trailer. This one, we have one trailer this week, and it's for Annihilation, the latest movie from Alex Garland, the director of Ex Machina. This trailer is just weird. I don't know what's Incredibly. really going on, but I love every moment of it. <laughs> it looks it looks beautiful. I love the cast. You got Tessa Thompson. You got... Um, uh, Natalie Portman, Natalie Gina Portman. Rodriguez, Thank Jennifer you. Jason Liu, and our Flyboy now <laughs> yeah. on the ground. Hot shot. Uh, Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Isaac. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> this, when I watched the trailer, I think a second time, I was like, who's this other fifth girl? I don't know who she is. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, it's because she dies. <laughs> I was like, that makes sense. Uh, but I, I, I am very interested to see what this movie ultimately turns out to be. There's a lot of kind of behind the scenes drama with it right now of. The uh, I think it's Universal is the production company behind it, or it's Paramount. One of those, um, they dropped the international distribution rights for it because Ooh. the um, I think it's the CEO of the studio is saying that it's like too intellectual, it's not testing well. Audiences are like, we don't get it, um, so they're like, we're not going to push this out overseas and spend tens of millions of more dollars <laughs> for it to not make any uh, money overseas. So now like uh, Netflix is in the discussions to distribute it a little bit overseas and then have it stream on Netflix three weeks after the fact of its, of its theatrical run. That would be beautiful. Theatrical launch. Fantastic. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this mainly because of the cast, because it looks different and interesting and because of Alex Garland being behind the camera. Yeah. The director of ex machina. Um, I mean, which one? Yeah. That's where, um, Alicia Vikander got her Academy award for, correct? Or no, was that it in was, she, the Dutch? Yeah, she got it for Danish a Danish girl. girl. Okay, yeah. Well, anyway. Same year, though. Aca- yeah, same Academy Award winning actress, uh, Alicia Vikander, got an Academy Award from director uh, Alex Garland's last film. Uh, and this looks just right, looks up, looks right up the same alley. Like, why are people panicking? I don't know. Because, uh, well, anyway, I mean, like a psychedelic cloud forming over the forest and mutating sharks. Is that a, is a mutant bear? That's what it looks like. It just looks creepy as heck mm-hmm. man and then that the eerie like muffled foghorn like, like synthetic thing that comes up anytime we see the 
the shimmer is what they're yeah. calling it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally love it. I don't think there's anything. I'm, I don't know why you'd panic. I mean, listen, Blade Runner didn't have a good run. No. So maybe intellectual sci-fi is it's dying, being reconsidered. <laughs> I mean, again, we talked about those audience reactions last Jedi. <laughs> this is probably that probably skew more towards more intellectual or more not, uh, you know. Yeah, theme. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, again, those audience reactions aren't as great. So, uh, Logan, are you excited for this one? I, I'm really excited. I can't wait. Everything I've seen for it so far seems super interesting. It seems like something that hasn't necessarily been done before, and mm-hmm. that's yeah. always the most exciting thing for me for movies. Yeah, like Calling it environmental horror, which yeah. is interesting. out there in terms of genre. <laughs> right. I think it's an original concept from Garland. Right? No, it's based off of a book. It is based on, okay. Yep. But he did write and direct this you know, Yeah, he had that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're excited for that one. It comes out early February. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hopefully, it's an early February hit and not like, okay, we don't have any faith in it, so let's put it in February sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but the big news of the week, we talked about it a couple times already before. Disney officially announced they've acquired Fox this week uh, for approximately $52.4 billion. So, both of our predictions of how much it's going to cost were way under i think we were both in like the 20s uh, right or did you go really I high thought i went to 40 billion okay that well, was my gut anyway and you were you were much closer than i was um what this means ultimately is that disney is going to acquire the main fox studio uh as well as their subsidiary stuff like fox searchlight fox 2000 and a lot of fox tv um, but as far as we are concerned, that means that Disney gets the rights to IPs like Avatar, X-Men, Fantastic Four, Deadpool, Alien, Planet of the Apes, um, the Predator. Entire, I mean, Fox Searchlight, all of those yeah. films and their, you know, their Oscar, you know. Ah, wow. So they, they get a lot. Um, the deal still technically has r- regulatory um, hurdles to get through <laughs> no and get approved. Kidding. And it's expected to take 12 to 18 months to get that stuff done. So it's not like... Um, you know, when the post comes out in a couple of weeks, theatrically, it's going to say Disney, the post, like it's, it's, it's not an instant thing. Right. So, and even like Deadpool in next summer, it's going to take till 2019 to really see the effects of this movie. Um, but even probably more till 2020 to see what Disney and Fox do together on the big screen. Cause it's just, it's just going to take time for those deals to close. They'll probably work on projects, um, together and get projects ready. So when the deal closes, they can kick stuff into production instantly. But for the time being, Fox is still technically separate than Disney. They have just agreed to a deal. Um, it's going to obviously change a lot of things. A lot of people have obviously been focused on the MCU. They get the X-Men, they get the fantastic four back. That's, that's cool. Um, Bob Iger has said that they are interested in continuing to make R-rated movies such as more Deadpool uh, sequels. And he also said in a conference call, I think it was, that he is, quote, very interested. They are, uh, quote, very interested in what Searchlight accomplished and Fox 2000. And we fully intend to stay in those businesses, which is great news because it means we're not going to see Fox Searchlight shut down or something. And we're going to see Disney continue to go into sort of those Oscar uh, realms with what they do. Um, but I'm, I'm probably more favorable of this deal than I think a lot of people are because this isn't Disney being greedy and being like, let's acquire everything we can. It's, they are in a sense. Yeah, they are. (laughs) But, but Fox is the one that wanted to sell. It was the, it was the Murdoch's decision to sell all this stuff. So it was either all of these properties go in the garbage and we'd never see these this stuff again, 
or it goes to Warner Brothers, or it goes to Sony, or it goes to Disney. And personally, I have the most faith in Disney as a studio to do these properties justice and to continue to do what will be right for this. Yes, it's going to mean job losses. Um, their estimates, the estimations are between five to 10,000 in the movie industry, um, which, is, which is huge. But that stuff is unavoidable because of what the Murdochs want to do. So if, they, if it's going to be sold as they want, I would rather go to Disney than anywhere else. Josh, you do not like this. No, because the, the the Bob Iger phone call. I mean, we we only got readouts of it and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it reads like him kind of being like, "Oh yeah, we we think it's great that what they've done." Like you know, patting him on the back. But ultimately, it's not a it's not a profit driven market for Disney. I mean, because we look at the properties that they've been putting out yeah i mean lucasfilm the margins on these movies are ridiculous i mean yeah. star wars has already opened up to like 100 million mm-hmm. this um since In Friday. one day right so uh at, they disney got rid of miramax for the same reason you know um that they're gonna want to end up getting rid of fox searchlight or at least dismantling it or you know it's just uh, something beautiful like that and is gonna get is gonna get muffled because I don't see any way that Disney keeps a complete hands off approach to what they do there because they put out like what five six I mean they do five six seven eight films a year also sometimes who Searchlight I mean they they bust their butts over there mm-hmm. and eventually it's not going to be seen as profitable or high enough profit margins to want to continue in the business. Someone's not going to like, you know, want to deal with the headaches. And I just think we're going to lose something super, super valuable. And, but I think we we would lose I that mean, anyway. You're just against Fox selling in general, not Disney being the ones to acquire it. Or are you I, against Disney being I, the ones? No, I am against Disney being the ones because they are such a stream. I mean, them picking up the Marvel properties, that's great. Who doesn't love, you know, the like the X-Men getting there and things like that. But this is this is the one thing that I am just absolutely terrified about. Is because I enjoy like, you know, the moves that we pushed out. Right. And I think in the big question that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I mean, I went through a massive list of how many there were. Mm-hmm. Um but in, you know, you said it's not Disney being greedy, but I, you know, like and it's true the Murdochs were the ones looking to sell. It wasn't a pursuit by Disney. Um, but I don't know. I just don't think that's the right place for them all to go. I wish Netflix would have pushed for it. I wish, uh, you know, Comcast hadn't, you know, said 40 billion was too much or Time Warner even, mm-hmm. or uh, Hulu, but, but they're technically owned by Hulu owned by so, Fox. And now know. that's the other thing. So, Hulu is now majority owned by Disney. And if this deal closes, yeah, that's, own, their, that's the basis for their streaming service. They'll own fifty. Or, well, no, Disney's still going to launch their own thing. Is yeah, that's what they're saying. But what the thought process is currently is that Hulu could be the home to more adult-centered stuff. So Disney could still acquire all of this stuff, but then you know Fox Searchlight could all of those things. If Disney does, if Disney doesn't want to spend the millions putting those into theaters or whatever, they could just simply sell those movies to Hulu, which they already own, and just make even more money that way. 
and put those on streaming, still put them in the limited theatrical releases and have them have Hulu be the direct competitor with Netflix in terms of streaming options. And you could have Fox Searchlight push their stuff out on Hulu as well. Still no. Still, I mean, just Bob Iger sounds swarmy when he talked about it, when he when he in, the, in these quotes, sort of like, "Oh yeah, we're not going to touch these at all," ha 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 ha, and then you know moves on to talking about you know the billion dollar movies. Yeah. So, I I, I just fundamentally disagree, Logan. I fundamentally disagree. With I, I, I I I and I I respect that though, Logan. Oh. Fox Disney is basically bought Fox pending, you know, a heroic Department of Justice lawsuit. So what do you think? Marvel Honestly, movies? I'm not against it. Not against it. All right. I think it's going to be really cool to see uh, the stuff they acquired, you know, getting X-Men back, for example. Having that back in the Marvel universe. Okay. It's going to be pretty cool to see. Did you like the movie Logan? The, the, the you know, Hugh Jackman's final ride as Wolverine? Overall, yes. Do you think Disney would ever put out a movie like that? in their Marvel Cinematic Universe, a rated R gritty Western film. That they already was... stated they're going to keep Deadpool rated R. Sure. Okay, well, hold on. So is your question, would they have done that before Logan had come out, or would they do that after the fact? Would they do that after the fact? Will they, like, because we praise the innovation. Yeah. There's no way and they're going to continue that. Logan cost, what, like $90 million to make, and it right. made like $600 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. You know what that means? Yeah. It turned a profit. Right. You know what Disney loves? Turning a profit. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the thing. If Disney and Deadpool were losing money because they were R-rated or just barely breaking even, then I would say, yes, Disney will cut ties with that sort of stuff. But they're making – Fox is turning a profit. Those are the reasons Fox is a – it is not a failure of a studio at this point. It is still – a profitable one. Super, yeah. The reason they're selling isn't because they're going bankrupt or because they're not performing well. It's just right. because of what the Murdochs on. want. They right. don't want to worry about it because they don't think they can compete in the t- five to ten years to come mm-hmm. as streaming becomes more of yep. the focus. So if Disney, the the mouse house, the money pile that they are, they only they always want more, why would they shut down arguably movies that could become even more profitable than some of their biggest blockbusters because they have minimal budgets or not minimal, but they have smaller budgets and they have the fandom behind it. Like you could make an R rated X 23 movie with Daphne Keene, even though I don't really think it will happen necessarily because if they reboot it, then it, right. it, it can't continue, but they, you could make that movie for 40, $50 million and it would make 400, $500 worldwide. And that is a movie that makes you know, ultimately it would bring in five times as much money for Disney. And then because they would have those movies, they already have all the, they had the star Wars that are going to give them a billion dollar profit every single time. They have Marvel movies that are going to turn them a super big profit every single time. Then you know what they can do with that extra money. They can fund smaller block. They can small, they can fund those Oscar movies because Disney has the most capital probably of any studio that they are. They can take those, one to two to ten million dollar risks on movies, they could only make five million in the theatrical run and it doesn't matter. Yeah. They could lose five million dollars and not blink an eye. But then if they get a hit in figures, like Fox Search I did last year, mm-hmm. a movie that made like a hundred million dollars worldwide yeah. on a five million five million dollar budget, then Disney just made a huge profit on a movie that was had no risk to it. Yeah. 
it just makes all the sense in the world for Disney, the biggest studio, to continue to push the boundaries, to continue to and to get into the awards race for the first time in, you know, a decade probably. Right. That I don't want to. It could all end up the way you're thinking, and yeah. Fox Search I could get totally pushed aside and all this stuff. But I don't want to bash Disney and put not any faith in them ahead of the fact. If it ultimately comes to that, yes, I'll eat my words and be like, yeah, this is a bad decision. But I have enough faith in Disney that they will make the right choice. I'm never going to make you eat your words or anyone eat their words except for Star Wars Episode 8 haters. (laughs) But I just, I am am so over giving the benefit of the doubt of $2 billion you know, corporations here. This is kind of like, oh, trust them to, you know, not totally be all about profits and, you know, want to keep, keep taking risks on art, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, the the more money that they, the more, the, the larger their ability to get larger profits, the greater, you know, the more likely they are to pursue those. And with, and, you know, I wouldn't worry about this if Bob Iger was going to stay there for the next 20 years. But he's leaving at the end of 2019, and anything 2021. That he, 2021. He extended his contract or yeah, as part of this deal. Right? Are you sure? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, he's leaving very shortly to technically probably pursue. You know, I think people say he's got political aspirations. Yeah. But whoever comes after him is going to have all this, and that's when the deal is going to largely go into effect, or at least start coming into effect. And you know, rubber's going to meet the road. And. I've Bob Iger, I know, cares deeply about Disney. He's the reason they got back on track, uh, you know. So when he's gone, you know, last time they had somebody who didn't care, Michael Eisner, he almost drove them off a cliff. Yeah, that's, a, a, that's a big if, though. It is a big if, but it's happened before. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, when you... Uh, they could also get the next Bob worried. Iger. They, and, they could very well. And get somebody who even has more of a focus on the smaller stuff. Absolutely. To like, be like, listen, we've got Kathleen Kennedy doing Star Wars. We've got Kevin Feige doing Marvel. Mm-hmm. And we've got, you know, the Pixar doing their own thing, Disney Animation. We've got these studio heads. We just need somebody overarching everything. Yes. And we can have s- hire somebody else to fill in a smaller position or start a new position to handle smaller budget stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's legacy implications. So, uh, let's move on from this and talk about news. I, I don't even know if you're happy about, I mean, I may, I mean, you may be happy about it. Oh, Um, I think so. Because I know this dude. You do. Okay. Well, I don't know him, but right. But you've, you've seen his previous effort as in Stephen Capel jr. Yeah. As variety reported, he is now set to direct Creed two and variety also confirmed that Tessa Thompson will return for the sequel, which is great news. Um, this decision came after Stallone was believed to direct the movie. Um, but he and Michael B. Jordan personally, uh, you know, picked Capel to take over after meeting with executives and stuff. Uh, Ryan Coogler is set to have an executive producer uh, role in the movie eventually um, and become involved after Black Panther raps. Um, and it was also revealed that Luke Cage showrunner Cheo Hadari Coker is co- co-wrote the script with Stallone. But Stephen Cable Jr.'s previous directorial effort is The Land. Josh, give me a weird look. Well, Logan hasn't seen Creed 2. Well, nobody's or seen Creed 2. Creed, Creed, sorry. You haven't seen <laughs> Creed. I started Creed. it about a week ago. And yes. I, I had to go somewhere. I wasn't able to finish it. Uh-huh. So I'm working through it. Finish it. Oh, man. I will. I definitely will. Oh, it's it's especially the final, I mean, the final shot of 
the final battle with Michael B. Jordan. I mean, the final fight. Yeah. The the, the, the protracted one take, the the spinning circles. I mean, just how the camera just whips around. Isn't that, that the second to last fight? I, I think it's I think it's the final one, right? Because it's it's his walkout uh-huh. and then him getting into the ring, them getting ready to fight, and then him fighting. Maybe I'm misremembering. But anyway, it's just. Oh yeah, because it cuts after the first round, right? And right. then it, we get into more style, mm-hmm. more typical. Yeah. Fight. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, yeah. Dude. And then that's that's why Black Panther. Uh, you know, all the hype. I mean, the, the movie is just hypeable already. But when you know, Cooper's that he's doing it. Yeah. Action stuff. But yes, the land. And I've seen it, and it's it's kind of like dope. When did you watch it? Did you watch it this week? I rented it um, on iTunes, or no, I bought it on iTunes because you couldn't rent it uh, this week oh, yeah. when on the news came out. It's a best story. It's a movie about Cleveland, Ohio, um, and basically these kids stumble across. A bunch of Molly in the back of a truck, mm-hmm. and they just go on a selling spree until eventually the drug dealers chase them down, and you know it leads to you know them getting having to run and yeah. I haven't hide. seen anything for this. It was. A it came out last year. Super independent. Very yeah. small movie. Okay. Yeah, super small. It, it's and it's his only directorial credit. Right. It, visually, I mean, it's he, he just really good at. It's like a. It's a. It's a. It's a movie about Cleveland more than it is like about these characters. So that that's pro- possibly a bit of the problem, but the the problems that they're facing and the mm-hmm. realities of their world are really good. So I don't know how it's going to translate well, but I did like the movie. Um, so when this, I mean, yeah. So when I saw this news, I mean, I jumped on it and yeah. Yeah, I I also watched The Land this week after the news broke. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I think he's going to be a great fit for Creed Two because. The Land is a very personal movie. Um, and even in Creed, you know, there's, you know, Philly plays a big role in that. The community of Philly and Cable is shown in, his, in The Land that he's good at, you know, capturing the essence of a city like Cleveland, mm-hmm. but also showing, you know, the chemistry between four very young um, and kind of inexperienced actors and leading roles. Um, and I really just enjoyed the way they did that. So seeing him come in and knowing that they handpicked him to do this, getting another um, uh, director of color in yeah. to follow Ryan Coogler to basically, again, he's going to follow in the footsteps of Ryan Coogler in more ways than one because he's going to follow in his footsteps in the Creed franchise, but he's going to f- possibly have the same career trajectory as uh, as Coogler did because mm-hmm. Coogler only had done Fruitvale Station before he did Creed, and then Creed blew up, and now he's doing Black Panther, and he's got several projects lined up. Capel only did the land and now he's doing Creed 2 and if that movie is received well then who knows what's going to happen next um, and it gives me nothing against Stallone but I, I like the idea more of Capel directing it outside of Stallone with his rocky colored glasses on or something you know Yeah, I think this will help keep the story on Adonis and you know not let it get too rehashy and be like alright well, now sure. we're going to fight Drago's son, and Drago's going to train him. And it's like, who cares? <laughs> is is Stallone staying on the project as yeah, an he's, actor? Yeah, he's, but he's no he, longer yeah. director. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair yeah. enough. So apparently, this, that decision was made after they, after he and uh, Jordan met with some executives about the project, and they were like, "We think it'd probably be best if somebody else did this." Yeah. So I don't know if they're going to rewrite the script at all after now that Cable is part of it, but project, production is start to set or is set to start in uh at the turn of the new year so it won't be that much longer and it's coming out next november so 
Logan, you only got a couple months to catch up. <laughs> I'll make sure I do. Good. <laughs> uh, but the last piece of news we have this week, uh, Variety also reported that Woody Harrelson is in talks to join the cast of Venom. It will reunite him with his Zombieland director, Ruben Fleischer, in a role that is said to be that of a henchman. But could he actually be Cable or Carnage? I don't know. It would be incredible if he was. Yeah, I agree. I would like him as Carnage better than I would like Riz Ahmed as Carnage. Mm-hmm. Because I want Riz Ahmed to be, you know, have a hero, some kind of hero role instead of, you know, being that. Because Woody Harrell, because uh, we well, forgot, gosh, what's Carnage's uh, serial killer identity name? Uh, Cletus Cassidy. Cletus Cassidy. Woody Harrelson is a Cletus Cassidy more than... Ahmed is Cletus Cassidy. I agree. I could see him being more of like, because like there's reports of like this that like the symbiote is you know found by some sort of company. I could see Riz Ahmed being like the head of the company. Tech bro. Yeah. Harrelson is like a work like works for that company, and then he comes across the symbiote on accident and becomes, you know, carnage that way. And cuz again, why else would he why else would you get Harrelson for just a small role late in, later into production if he wasn't going to be something of significance? Especially cuz Harrelson is like his size is almost equivalent to Tom Hardy, not not totally, but, no, but they they size up to each other rather well. Mm-hmm. Um so I definitely think so. Logan, have you heard much about the Venom movie and like uh, its development and what are you thinking about it? I haven't heard a whole lot about it. Okay. I'm really hoping they do it right. That's my biggest thing. Sure. I, I would actually really like to see a darker movie here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's supposed to be R-rated. The, uh, the more comedy kind of, you know, like Spider-Man can be kind of that slightly more comedic side. I want to see a darker movie here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you, you, you remember Spider-Man 3 at all? Was that, <laughs> what'd you think of that Venom? I mean, is is that Venom and more that in line? That was the worst of all the Spider-Man movies. Okay, made, in my opinion, <laughs> yes. It's bad. Um, I don't think anybody can ever forget Spider-Man Three. No. <laughs> Once you see it, you're just like, I will always I remember this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I I think, I mean, it could ultimately be the case that Harrelson's not Carnage, but I think since we haven't heard who Carnage is and we know he's in the movie, yeah. And a late casting. It's he's late casting. He knows the director. It makes more sense to me that he would be an important part of the movie than be like, oh well, we need somebody to play this other symbiote or something or this other side role. Let's get Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll have to wait and see whether or not that is the case. That is all we have for this episode. Next week we are going to be back. Well, episode will be out on Christmas. Maybe, maybe we'll, maybe I'll push it a day depending on yeah. <laughs> what I'm doing on Christmas, I guess. Sure. Um, but we're going to review Pitch Perfect 3, Greatest Showman. Uh, Possibly the maybe other movie. Ju- maybe Jumanji. Jumanji. Yes. We don't know. Something. We'll review something and we'll be back and uh, it'll be our final show of the year as we. Possibly. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I think so. I th- well, I think that's the schedule lays out. Because January 1st is a Monday. Right. So I guess technically we will record another episode in 2017. Exactly. But have our first episode out in 2018 on the first of 2018. So who knows how the schedule is going to play out. We have some changes coming in the future uh, as we move into our third year of the podcast. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed it so far. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus head over to iTunes, give us a five-star review with comments, telling us what we do well, but also, and like, you know, why you listen and stuff, but also why 
Uh, there's stuff we could do better at. Keep you guys interested. Keep you guys listening. Because ultimately, that's why we do this. <laughs> Partially, uh, you know, we do it just to talk about it. But if we get more people to listen and more people to engage and more listens and more views and all that stuff, it's a better reason to do this Absolutely. at the end of the day. So uh, be sure to tell us your thoughts and everything you covered by tweet us at Friends of Film. We also have definitely podcast movies and more. You can find personally on Twitter at MovieCooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Logan, you on Twitter? If people want to follow you? I am. It is at the Tillbilly. At the Tillbilly. That is Logan Till. Thanks for stopping by, Logan. Hopefully Thanks you enjoyed it. And hopefully we'll have you back in the future. Um, so if you're ever interested, just hit up Josh and uh, we'll figure out how to get you back on. Um, again, thanks for stopping by, everybody. Be sure to return next week for our review of something. Something.